So we are, like I said, we're beginning this new series called Renovate, and I'm super excited about it, and it'll be for the next four weeks. So let's pray, and then we'll jump into God's Word. God, we do give you thanks uh, for this morning, for, um, for your promises that are found in your Word, for, uh, for giving us this opportunity to gather. God, we, uh, we just pray for this space that we gather in. God, we pray that you bless this school that you bless the students, that you bless these hallways, that you make them places where students can learn in safety. And so, God, we are thankful that we get to gather here, and we get to be in prayer for this school, and we get to, um, to see a community of faith rising up out of here, right here in the middle of the community. And so, God, we are thankful, and we just ask that you help us to hear your word this morning with fresh ears, that you help us to um, take it into our souls and to live it out through our lives. And so, God, we are uh, thankful and we ask for your presence here with us. It's in your Son, Jesus Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Amen. So let me ask you a question. What, if money wasn't a factor, right? If money wasn't a factor, what would be the first thing or the one thing that you would renovate about your home, right? Or your, the place where you live? If money wasn't a factor, what would it be? Maybe, maybe shout a couple of those out. Foundation, right? Yeah, cracking foundation is something serious, right? You want to renovate that immediately. What else would you change? The kitchen, right? Updated kitchens, updated bathrooms. Anything else? Hot, hot tub, all right. That's the kind of renovation I like. <laughs> right. Walk-in showers. Yeah, there's tons of things, right? We could probably go on with this list on and on and on. I know some people say more closet space or a bigger kitchen or more living area. Or, you know, you could go on this list for, for forever. And when we moved here, my wife and I moved back. I grew up here in College Park. We moved back from New Jersey. I guess it was about four or five months ago now. We began looking for a home. We were, we were that, that first-time home buyer that you see on HGTV, right? It's just so annoying. The realtor's getting tired of them because they don't like anything. And every home they walk into, there's something wrong with it. We never really agreed on a home. We didn't end up buying a home in the long run because every home needed renovation. Right? We walked into this one home that I just absolutely loved. The owner was talking about how it had been featured in Better Homes and Gardens like two or three times. I mean, it was a custom-built home in the 60s. It was on 1.3 acres, had a custom garden, a pond with a bridge in the backyard. It was, it was an incredible home. The only problem was it hadn't been updated since the 1960s. <laughs> Right? And so when my wife walked in, I fell in love with the home. And she walked in and saw the pink bathroom, and then the green bathroom, and then the pink and green bathroom. And then I think it was the bright blue one that broke, broke, it broke the deal. It was, there was no option after that. I said, well, we could just wear sunglasses in the bathroom. I mean, how much time do you really spend in the bathroom? Well, how much time do I really spend in the bathroom? Sometimes I think she lives in the bathroom. Right? So that we all, when we walk into a house for the first time, there's different things we see and we say, hey, this needs renovation. This needs change, right? And no matter where we live, there's, there's no such thing as a perfect home. There's no such thing as a home, even if you had it custom built. We walked into some new homes, and even in those new homes, there was something that we wanted to change, something that we would have, been, we would have done different. We were thinking, what, what were these these architects or con construction workers, or what were they thinking when they built this home this way? And so this morning, we're entering the series uh, Renovate. And really what we're going to do in these next four weeks is we're going to talk about the process of renovation. And so we're going to begin next week talking about a vision. Right? We have to have a vision. Anytime you start a renovation, you have a vision for what you want the end to be. You just don't start just tearing things apart or demolishing things, but you, you have this idea of what you want to create. 
And so that's what we're going to talk about next week. And the week after that, we're going to talk about the tools. You see these tools around here, right? You don't begin a renovation unless you have the right tools or unless you have the money to buy the right tools and the knowledge to use those tools appropriately. And so we're going to talk about the tools. What do you need for God to renovate the spaces in our lives, to transform the spaces in our lives? Then we're going to talk about the work. Because if anybody's done a renovation, you know that it's hard work. Even if you're not doing the labor yourself, right? Even if you're just hiring the contractors, having them come in, doing all your review, checking your reviews. If you're one of the people like me who's very calculating, you want to get all the reviews on this person. You want to see their work. It's hard work, right? And so we're going to talk about the work that it takes to bring about renovation. And the final thing we're going to talk about is completion. And don't get excited because none of us are close to completion, right? This is a lifelong process. We're going to talk about what that looks like to work towards completion, a finished product. And so over the next four weeks, I'm excited. Hopefully you're excited. And these are the things that we're going to look out, look, look, look toward <laughs> what we're going to talk about in the next couple of weeks. I just had one of those brain moments, right? You ever have those? <laughs> All right, so this morning we're talking about um, the three things that renovation is not. So I want to enter this series just talking about three things that renovation is not. Because we all kind of know what renovation looks like, but what is, what is renovation not? So the first thing is renovation is not the same as maintenance. Right? We all have, if you have a home or you have a space that you live in, it needs to be maintained. Right? Whether that's painting. Painting is about maintenance. Right? You paint your walls or you paint the exterior house. That's maintenance. Or you clean out the gutters. That's one of the things that I can't stand doing. Getting up on the roof and cleaning out, especially when it gets cold and the, there's wet in there and your hands are wet and they get cold. Right? But cleaning out the gutters, that's about maintenance. Or, or cutting the grass and pulling up the weeds and fertilizing the grass, that's, that's maintenance. Right? Or cleaning your carpet. We have dogs and if we have a house with carpet, from time to time, right, the, the carpet needs cleaning. Or if you have kids, from time to time, spills and all these things, your carpet needs to be clean. And so any space that we live in needs maintenance, but there's a difference between renovation and maintenance, right? If you take an old 1960s kitchen and you demolish the cabinets and pull up the laminate flooring and you put in recessed lighting and custom-built cabinetry and tile floors and brand-new appliances, that's a renovation, right? We're talking about a renovation when we talk about that. Or if you go down into a dark basement that's moldy and it's just very humid and, and nasty and has bugs and stuff like that, and you go down in there, you begin sealing up the walls and hanging drywall and hanging new lights and laying carpet, that's a, that's a renovation. Or if you go out in the yard, and I've always wanted to do this, but not really, but sort of, I always go out in the yard and you dig up the whole yard and just plant fresh grass, and then you have this nice fresh grass that springs up and it's weed-free. If it wasn't so much work, I'd want to do it, right? That's a renovation. That's a yard renovation, right? So there's a difference between maintenance and renovation. And so this morning we're looking at the fact that God wants to renovate the spaces in our lives. Romans 12 verse 2, it says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And I love the way this verse says, be transformed. Formed. Be made new. Become something different. Right? Maintenance does not transform. It covers what already is. Right? If you're, if you're painting your walls, you know what has to happen a couple of years after you paint your walls or several years after you paint your walls? They have to be painted all over again. 
Or when you cut your grass, right, in the middle of the summer, you have to cut your grass like every week or at least every other week. If you don't cut your grass every other week, your neighbors are probably complaining about you, right? So these things, maintenance, so that's stuff that has to be done over and over and over again. But renovation is different. It produces lasting change. It produces change that lasts and becomes evidence in our lives. It's not the same as painting over the same old stuff day after day. Right? And sometimes we end up going through life, and that's the way that we approach religion, or at least we approach our faith and following Christ, is that we're painting over the same stuff. We're maintaining ourselves, painting over the same stuff every day. Or cleaning the trash out of our lives like you treat, clean trash out of the gutters every day. Right? But we're not being renovated. And what the scriptures are teaching us is that God doesn't just want us to maintain or to preserve or protect the beauty of of something. But God wants to renovate the people that we are. God wants to transform our lives. God wants to make us, God makes, wants to make us new. And so renovation must go beyond the surface. It must go deeper, to the, deeper than the surface into the core and the foundation. Right? God wants to change us at our core. The scripture often calls this the heart. God wants to bring about change in our heart. That's always kind of a weird word because it's not talking about our hearts that pump blood, but it's talking about the, the core of the human being. God wants to bring about change from the inside. God wants to make us new from the inside. And that's where renovation begins. And that's why I wanted to read Romans 12, verse 2, where it says, Do not conform to the pattern of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Right? Because it's saying that renovation doesn't begin out here on the exterior, on the surface. It's not about painting, but it's about something that's happening internally. It's something that's happening in the mind. And so the scriptures are always, and if you're um, part of one of our city groups, if you're not, I encourage you to be a part of the city group. So that's one of the things they'll talk about um, this, this uh, week in the city groups. They'll talk about the fact that uh, God wants to transform us from the inside in our minds. He wants to transform our attitudes, our ways of thinking, our patterns of thinking. And that when that happens... Right? When God changes our hearts, when God changes us on the inside, then that change on the inside manifests itself on the outside. What happens on the inside becomes very present and evident on the exterior of our lives. And so God is saying, hey, yeah, listen, be transformed. But being transformed isn't about managing your behavior. Or being transformed is not maintaining your appearances. But it's about allowing God to come inside your life. Allowing God to transform your mind. Allowing you to become a new person from the inside. And what happens on the inside then manifests itself on the exterior, on the outside. I think a good example of this is David. If you're familiar with King David in the Old Testament, the Bible says David was a man after God's own heart. Right? God chose him to be the king of Israel. And the unique thing when, the, when God chose him in, in Samuel, in 1 Samuel chapter 16... God sends Samuel to Jesse's house to pick one of Jesse's sons to be the king of Israel. And when Samuel shows up, he's looking for the right son, right? He's going from son to son, and he's looking at appearances. Which one's the biggest? Which one's the strongest? Which one has the most integrity? Which one would God want to be the king? And so he goes through all of Jesse's sons except for David, the one little short guy that's out working in the fields. And God says to Samuel, he says, But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance. This is 1 Samuel 16, verse 7. Do not consider his appearance 
or his height, for I have rejected him. And that's what he said about all the other sons. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And so the scriptures are telling us that God sees straight through the exterior. God sees straight through the things that other people see when they look at us. And God sees straight to the core of a human being. And that's why the scriptures say, love the Lord your God with all your heart. That's why the scriptures are focusing on what's happening in our hearts and not just what's happening on the exterior, on the outside, what our actions are. The reality is God wants to change us from the heart. And so God chose David, a man who was after God's own heart, a man whose heart had been transformed. But you know, the unique thing about this story, and if you're familiar with it, David allowed lust for another man's wife to creep into his life. Right? He was on the rooftop, and he looked through this woman's window, and she was there bathing, and he was drawn to her, and he allowed his mind to dwell on that. And after that lust creeped into his life, he pursued her, and then he got her. And there's this wonderful prayer that David prays in Psalms chapter, Psalm chapter 51. There's this wonderful prayer that David prays after he's called out because of his sin. After he's made known of the fact that he allowed his heart to be corrupted. And he pursued something that was not of God. And listen to this prayer. I just want you to hear this prayer. And maybe some of you are in a place right now where you need to hear this prayer because of something that you've done. And some of us are in a, prayer, in a place right now that we need to hear this, this um, this prayer because of something that we're considering doing. But all of us need to hear this prayer. So listen to what he says. He says, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. According to your great compassion, blot out my transgression. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So you are right in your verdict. And justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Yet you desire faithfulness in the womb. You taught me wisdom in that secret place. Cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I'll be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God. And renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. And grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. I love the way he says, create in me a new heart. David is saying, listen, God, I have failed and I come to you. I have sinned and I come to you. I have rebelled against your will for my life and I come to you. And I'm asking you to renovate my heart, to create in me a new heart, to transform this space in my life. You see, David got it. After David fell with his sin with Bathsheba, after he gave in to the lust that was in his mind, he got it. That it wasn't about maintenance. It wasn't about the exterior. It wasn't about keeping up appearances. It wasn't about how he looked to other people. It wasn't about his title, the fact that he was king. It wasn't about any of these things, but it was about God coming into his life and renovating his heart, transforming the spaces within his life. And so if nothing else, I want you to see this because the next two points we're going to talk about more in the, in the coming weeks but the, is that renovation is not maintenance. 
We cannot go through life covering up, painting over, masking ourselves. One of our values here at Tri-Cities Church is authenticity, right? If you have messed up, if you have failed, and I shouldn't say if because you have, you have messed up, you have failed, you have sinned, we have sinned, we are messed up, we have failed. And listen, we can, Tri-Cities Church is one of those places where you take the mask off and allow God to heal us and make us new. We say to God, create in me a pure heart. Renew a right spirit in me. And the neat thing is that God hears those prayers. And God doesn't reject us and kick us away, but God embraces us. And God accepts us. And God loves us. And God pulls us closer to himself. And kind of like a parent with a child, he says to us, I will teach you how to walk in my ways. I will teach you how to live according to the purpose that you were created for. I will make you new so that you no longer fall into the same things over again and you experience victory in your life. Right? That's my prayer for us. That is my prayer for us, that is God will renovate us and would not, we won't be stuck in this trap of maintaining. So the first thing is that renovation is not maintenance. Second thing is renovation is not quick and easy. Right? If you watch those renovation shows on HGTV or Do-It-Yourself Network, they make it look like you can renovate your whole home in 30 minutes or less. Right? Take out commercials, you're talking about 22 minutes. Bring a couple of friends over with some skills and some talents, and you know, y'all just put it together, and next thing you know, wham, you got a new kitchen or something like that. Right? And they're just putting it together. You watch that, and in fact, we live in this culture that expects immediate results. We expect things to happen quickly. I was looking up just some of this this week. You, did you know, and I don't, I don't, I've never done this, but did you know you can bake a cake in the microwave in seven minutes? Seven minutes flat. Chocolate cake. All you need is some ice cream, right? You can bake a potato in the microwave in ten minutes. Right? We live in a culture where we expect things quickly. Jamie and I were right over here at Joffrey's the other day, and I pointed out the line at McDonald's right next to Joffrey's in Hapeville. And, I mean, you could not get into the parking lot of that McDonald's because there were so many people in the drive through line at McDonald's. Because it's quick. It's easy. And we've learned to expect things quick and easy. And you go to Chick-fil-A on Camp Creek or this one here in Hapeville, I mean, they have an officer out front directing traffic because so many people are trying to get in and nobody wants to go in. Everybody's going through the drive through You can't get in the parking lot because it's just backed up, right? We, we live in a culture where we've learned to expect things quick and easy. But what the scriptures are teaching us is that renovation is never quick and it's never easy. In fact, it takes, it takes time. The word that the scriptures use is sanctification, right? Sanctification is this, this process of God working with humans to make us more like Christ. Actually, I like the definition that Wayne Grudem, Wayne Grudem writes this marvelous systematic theology. And he says this, he says, sanctification is the process of God, um, of the, the sanctification is the work of God and man to make us more free from sin and more like Christ in our actual lives. And so he's saying, listen, it's the process of God working with man. It's progressive. It's a progressive work, which means it doesn't happen overnight. It happens over time. It doesn't happen overnight. It happens over life. And so sanctification is one of these things that we're always in the process of. 
when we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, when we come to believe and say, God, yeah, create in me a pure heart, renew me, make me new, it doesn't happen just like that, right? It doesn't happen in the three minutes it takes to get a number two at Chick-fil-A, right? It doesn't happen in the same time it takes to get a, a sausage biscuit at McDonald's. It happens over time. It's a process. It's progressive. It's the progressive work of God as he works with us to make us more free from sin. That means there's some things in the past that we're letting go of and more like Christ in our actual lives. That means we're experiencing this freedom now. And that's really what renovation is about. And in week three, we're going to talk more in depth about this when we talk about the work that God has called us to do that we are working with God to make us more free from sin, to letting some things go and leaving them in the past. Listen to Romans 6, verse 11. This this verse talks about the fact that we've been kind of loosed, we've been freed from sin, and now we're actually able to experience God's renovating work. It says, in the same way, count yourselves dead to sin. It means we're dead to it. It's no longer alive to us. We're dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its desires. Do not offer any part of yourselves to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. And offer every part of yourselves to him as an instrument of righteousness. For sin shall no longer be your master, because you're not under the law, but under grace. And so the scripture is saying that sin no longer has mastery over us. This is already a reality in our lives. That doesn't mean that we don't still have struggles, right? It doesn't mean that we don't still fall sometimes. It doesn't mean that there aren't aren't times that we are so drawn by temptation that we end up giving in. But it does mean that sin no longer has mastery over your life. And renovation, sanctification, is about experiencing that in our actual lives. It's about experiencing that freedom from sin that is actually made real in our lives. And so, yeah, when we talk about renovation, when we say God created me a pure heart, we do expect God to do a work here that means, yeah, there's some things I struggled with, but I don't struggle with those anymore. Or there's some things I struggled with, I still struggle with them, but I don't give in to them anymore, right? It's this this progressive work, this progressing forward, this becoming new. God is making me new. He's doing a new work in our lives. And so, yeah, renovation isn't quick and easy, and it requires work, and it takes time, and it's frustrating. And what those HGTV shows don't show is the family's stressed out, and people are, you know, cutthroat. They're annoyed with one another. And and people are, um, there's always something that happens that wasn't planned, and there's always something that's going to cost a little bit extra money. There's always something that's going to cause an irritation. If you've been through renovation, you know that. You know that to be true. It was not easy. It never is. What those shows don't show is the reality. Listen, the scripture paints for us a new reality. And it's this reality of God making things new in our lives for real. For real. And us being changed into the people that God created us to be. And so the second thing I want you to see is that, hey, renovation is not quick and easy. I wish I could tell you that it is, but it's not. The third thing I want you to see is that renovation is not a do-it-yourself project. Right? When I was in college, I worked for, at Home Depot for all four years. Right? You can do it. We can help. Right? Yeah, DIY. Renovation is not that. 
Renovation is not a do-it-yourself project. It's not something that we have the ability to do in and of ourselves. I said a couple of weeks ago that when we strive by ourselves to live according to God's purposes and God's plans for our lives, that it will only end in frustration and failure. When we try by ourselves, by our own strength, it is not a do-it-yourself project. Listen, I've experienced this. I'm sure you've experienced this. We've experienced this. When we try by our own strength and when we don't submit to God and we don't ask for God to come and help us, we find ourselves falling into the same thing and into the same patterns time and time again because it never was intended to be a do-it-yourself project. It's something that we don't have the ability to do in and of ourselves. And in fact, the scriptures teach us that it's not all, it's even not something that God does alone. Right? That definition that I read says it's the progressive work of God and man. So God wants to join with us to help us live new lives. And so the scriptures are never saying, hey, listen, you pray to God and God's going to make you new. No, the scriptures are saying, no, it's going to be hard work for you and God's going to be working with you. God's going to be working alongside you. And that's encouraging for me, and hopefully it's encouraging for, to you as well, because God is working. This is the God of creation saying, I'm making a new creation in you, and you are working with me to make that new creation a reality in your own lives. And the only thing I would add to that is that it's not just a work of, of, that we work with God, but it's also that we work with the church, with a community of believers. The scriptures are always emphasizing the importance of a community of believers to gather around us as we are being made new. We like to say here at Tri-Cities Church that we're about walking with people towards holiness and wholeness. We're about joining you on that journey because God never intended you to do it by yourself. And God didn't just want you to have his help and his strength with you on the journey, but he wanted you to have a community of faith a community of believers that would surround you and that will walk with you. Two scriptures that kind of point to this. Philippians chapter 2 verse 12 says, Therefore, my dear friends, as you've always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. So first it says, hey, yeah, you work out your salvation. But then it says, God is at work within you. So it's not just you working it out. It's not saying God saying, well, you do it and then come to me and then ask me if you can be my child. Then ask me if you can belong to me. Then ask me if you can worship and serve me. God's saying, no, come and worship and serve me. Come and be my child. And listen, together we will work out your salvation. Because God is going to work in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. And then Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 says, let us consider how we, and this is about the church, how we, the church, may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day approaching. Right? It's more that, that, that uh, churches on television, we see this happening more and more. People stay at home and we just opt out of the gathering in order that we can watch church on TV and stay in the bed and have breakfast. I mean, you can kind of come to Tri-Cities and have breakfast while you're at church, right? But it says, no, church isn't just about listening to a message. It's not just about singing songs. But it says, let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. 
And so the community of faith is more than just us coming together and looking at a stage. But it's about us coming together and looking at one another. It's about us coming together and encouraging each other. It's about us helping one another along in this journey. And that's what we need to be about at Tri-Cities Church. That's what, where our focus needs to be. We need to be focused on helping other people, each other, along in this journey. As God works with us to make us new. And so I want to close with just two practical steps um, as we go in this, enter into this, this series. And just things you can think about this week and things that you can work on even during this week. The first is, God's renovation happens in our life when we make space for God. We have to make space for God. In other words, our schedules can become so filled, and our lives can become so hectic, and we can have so many things that we want to get accomplished, that God gets scheduled out of our lives. If we want God to do a work of renovation in our life, We have to make space for God. In fact, Oswald Chambers says we need to give God some elbow room. We need to give God some space in our lives. We need to carve out some space where we can say, yes, Lord, make me new. And this may happen by you getting up in the morning and doing a devotional, getting getting the scriptures out, the Bible out, and reading and praying to God and saying, hey, God, I'm struggling in this area. Will you make me new? This may happen by you becoming a part of a city group and you getting with other believers and discussing the scriptures about, with people who are on the same journey that you're on. And you're saying, hey guys, I'm, I'm struggling in this area. Can you pray for me? Can you help me? How, what has your experience been like in this area? Right, as we walk with one another towards holiness. The reality is, whatever we have to do, we have to make space for God to invade our lives and to do a new work. We have to give God some elbow room. And so one of the things I want you to consider this week and challenge you to think about is, is God, have you made space for God in your life? It has, have you made space for God? Does God have space to create something new in you? Do you slow down? Right? Do you take time away to reflect and to think about life and to think about the scriptures and what God might want to do in your life? The second practical step in And the final thing this morning is we have to make every effort. So we have to make space in our lives for God to do a work. But then we have to make every effort. The scriptures repeat this time and time again. Although renovation isn't totally dependent on our efforts, the scriptures emphasize that we need to make every effort. In Romans chapter 14, it says, Therefore, let us make every effort to do what leads to peace and mutual edification. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 3, it says, Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. In Hebrews 4.11, it says, Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will perish by following their example of disobedience. In Hebrews 12, verse 14, it says, Make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see God. In 2 Peter 1, verse 5, it says, For this reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge. And then in 2 Peter verse, chapter 1, verse 10, it says, Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. 
And then in 2 Peter 3, verse 14, it says, So then, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. The reality is the scriptures are telling us, hey, it's not all up to you, but you need to be making every effort. That we need to be working with God, doing actual work with God to see our lives renovated, to see our lives be made new, to see the spaces in our lives transformed into the beautiful things that God created us to be. I like the way St. Augustine says it. He says, pray as if everything depends on God, but work as if everything depends on you. Pray as though it all depends on God. Spend some time, make space for God, but then work. Do that hard work. Make every effort as though it all depends on you and nothing happens unless you are striving with all your might. Hey, we're going to transition into a time of communion. And I want to challenge you to make a declaration for your own life. We're going to sing this song, and it says, I'm not going back. I'm moving ahead. I'm here to declare my past is over. In you, all things are made new. I'm surrendered my life to Christ. I'm moving forward. And I want to challenge you to think as we sing this song and as, you, as we break bread with one another, there's four tables around this room and there's um, communion. There's the bread that symbolizes Christ's body that was hung on the cross. There's the juice that symbolizes his actual blood that, that poured out as he was hung there. And it doesn't just symbolize his body, but it symbolizes the freedom that we now have in Christ to be made new. The freedom that we have in Christ to experience God's renovating work. And so as we sing this song, moving forward, I surrender my life to you. As we sing those words, I want you to think about actual areas in your life, right? Name them out. You don't have to say them out loud, but name them out to God. Hey, listen, God, this is an area in my life where I'm stuck, where I need you to make me new. This is an area in my life where I've struggled, and you know it, God, because you see through the exterior and into my heart. And I need you to help me to move forward. God, I can't do this by myself. I'm incompetent. I'm unable. But I'm willing to make every effort as I work with you. I'm willing to make space, elbow room in my life as I work with you. I challenge you to do that. And to test God in that. And see if he doesn't bring about change. If he doesn't bring about renovation in your life. The amazing thing is God promises that he will. Let's pray. God, we're thankful this morning. Um, we're thankful that we've been given this opportunity to come together and to study your word. God, we're thankful for your promises. That you've given us a community of faith that walks with us towards holiness. God, we're thankful that you've given us your word that challenges us to make space, to make elbow room in our lives. God, we thank you that you give us your word that says make every effort and we have the promise that you will come alongside us and you will bring, a, bring to completion the work that you began in us. And so God, we're excited because we're believing that we're going to be made new, that there are spaces in our lives that are going to be transformed, that we will experience your renovation. And yeah, God, we're excited because we believe that you're doing something great. And although we can't quite see what it is, we know that our lives will never be the same.
as we submit and surrender to you. Those are hard words, God. But we're thankful that we're submitting not to the world, not to our friends, not to our other relationships, but we're submitting to the God of all creation who loves us and transforms us from the inside out. So your son, Jesus Christ, name we pray. Amen. Surrender my life.
follow you, Lord God. Help us to cling to you as you begin to renew renovation on our heart, Lord God. We thank you. We praise you. We know you give us the grace, mercy, and temperance to be able to withstand the messiness of renovation, the impatience of being made over the pain, the hardship, all for the joy. 